0: Thanks so much for leading us in worship, you guys. Y'all are awesome. Uh, I encourage you to grab your Bibles. We're going to jump into the 23rd Psalm. We're going to focus on verse number 4 this morning. But before we do that, uh, we want to say our creed together uh, to get back into that tradition again. And uh, so I invite you say this along with me. The Bible is the Word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace. To respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. That's awesome. Daryl's gonna come now and read the Psalm twenty three to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you so much, Daryl. That was awesome, and it was great to see your face. Uh, so, I've been really excited for weeks and weeks and weeks to talk about this verse, about verse number four of Psalm 23. And part of the reason that I've been excited about this is this verse is my oldest son Garrett's favorite verse. He loves it so much, he put it on the back of his letterman jacket. How cool is that, right? He loves this thing. Although it weighs like a million pounds and it makes it a thousand degrees, so just a second. Sorry about that. I had to run to my trailer, uh, you know, cause now we're on TV. Um, so no, for real, the, 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 the verse four of the 23rd Psalm is just, it's amazing, right? And it's the reason why we have the misunderstanding or the, the misunderstood connotation of this being a funeral psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And and yeah, I, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's a bit ironic that the week after my father passed, that this is the text that the Lord has us uh, walking through together this morning. But I think there's so much hope here. And I think there's so much power here that, that quite frankly, whatever kind of valley you may or may not be walking through, it's good for us to park in this text together this morning. And, and the first thing I want us to notice is the first two words, even though. Not even if, even though. If we live in a broken world, we're going to walk through valleys. If we live in a world that's been broken because of the effects of our fallenness, then we're going to face death. As a matter of fact, if we live long enough, someone we know is going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Paul David Tripp said, grief is the price we pay for loving in a broken world. If we care about people and we both live long enough, one of us will grieve the loss of the other. That's just the reality of of living in a broken world. If we walk long enough on this journey, we're going to walk through some valleys. So during this quarantine time that our family rhythms have been interrupted and our routines have been changed, one of the things that one of our families in the church has done has involved walking. Jonathan Galloway and his seventh-grade son, Peyton, have been trying to build up their tolerance to walk further and further, and so they've been walking a lot. They've gotten up to four miles a day that they're walking together to, to build up their endurance for that. But as they've been walking four miles a day, they've been tired of walking the same routine and the the same path. And so uh, a few days ago, they decided to walk a different four-mile journey. And they didn't realize that they ended up over in Arlington where all of the sewer feeds for the city of Arlington. It looks just like a swampy area. Grass is all grown up. But all of that swampy area, it's not mud, y'all. It's straight-up sewage. Now, there's still paths that they can walk through it. But as they were heading back home, two miles from the house, Jonathan decided to go a different way. He took a couple steps on what he thought was solid ground, but it very quickly gave way. That top crusty layer quickly gave way and he sunk down into sewage. And it smelled exactly like, wait for it. Sewage, right? And so Peyton immediately begins to gag and to heave. And he's like, we're two miles from home and you stink. And Jonathan tells Peyton, here's the deal. You, you, you got to just go for it. We got to get to the other side of this. But whatever you do, don't. And about that time, Peyton took a step and it gave way underneath his feet. And he fell into the sewage. And then they had to walk back home for two miles, with that all over them. Maybe you saw this picture online. Yeah, that ain't mud, y'all. That is not mud. But here's why that story, I think, is really good for us today. If we walk long enough, we're going to walk through some, don't think that word on a Sunday, I was going to say stuff. We're going to walk through some stinky mess if we walk long enough in the midst of a broken world. And the reality is we we might laugh at that story, but for some of you, you're like, man, the valley I'm walking through right now is ugly enough that I'm having a hard time laughing. I'm having a hard time finding joy because if we walk long enough, we're going to walk through difficult things. And as we've walked through this text, we went from not wanting anything, not lacking anything, not... Not having anything that we don't need or anything that's best for us. And then we go to green pastures, lying down. Well, we go beside these still waters, the restoration of our souls and being led in the right paths. And then here we are. Here we are in a valley. And for many of us, well, that's pretty real. Well, that's pretty honest. That, that is the way that life can go. And, and what I want to say from the very beginning this morning is this. Where you are is not who you are. You are not defined by your situation. If you find yourself in a valley today, listen, that doesn't make you a valley dweller. That doesn't make you unimportant to God. He's not forgotten about you. He's not left you there without being present with you. Where you are is not who you are. And where you are is also not a reflection on the goodness of God. He's still good he still has a plan for you. He knows that in this broken world, there are valleys. And He knows that eventually, we're going to have to walk through them. And so He's honest in the Scripture and in the text so that we will not never think that where we are somehow defines who we are or defines our value or defines our victory. And I want to look a little forward in the verse for just a minute and say even... Though we're in a valley, we don't have to be controlled by fear. It's amazing that the way David words this is, I will fear no evil. Even though I'm in a valley of death, I don't fear death. Even though this is evil around me, I don't fear evil. It's real. The the situation is real. The grief is real. But I don't fear its authority over me. I face the reality of this, but I'm not being controlled or captive to fear. You know, the the most frequently repeated command in all of Scripture is to not fear. And I was thinking about that recently and I thought, man, the reason God said that so much is because He understood that we must have quite the capacity to be afraid. We must have quite the capacity for fear. If he again and again and again said, when you walk through fearful situations, don't let the fear control you. Don't let the fear define you. Don't let the fear become your destiny. You can live in a fearful valley without being controlled by that fear. Which means, either we're crazy, (laughs) either we're denying the reality of the valley, or it means there's something even more true than the valley. And that's what David says. I will not fear, for you are with me. The only thing more true to David than the reality of the valley was the reality of God's presence with him, the reality of the with himness of the good shepherd. And it's so real to him that he changes. The way he talks about the shepherd. See, up to this point in the psalm, the the shepherd has been being referred to as he. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths. But when we walk in the valley, he becomes you. You are with me. And, And what I believe is this. The darker the valley, the closer the shepherd at least the closer he seems. Because God's always present. He's present in the green pasture. He's present beside the still water. He's present when he's restoring our soul. And he's present on the right path. That's how he leads us as he's going before us. It's just that in those dark valleys, I don't know about you, that's when I've realized how close he always was. How near he always was. you are with me the closer the shepherd is because of the darkness of the valley. I mean, how beautiful is that truth? And it makes me think of specifically of Emily Richland. We, just a couple of days ago, had Emily Richland's memorial service. And as she was passing away from COVID-19, she spent two weeks in the hospital and none of her family members were allowed to go see her. And and I can't imagine how hard that was for them. as her pastor, it was hard for me. I wanted to go read the twenty third psalm to her and and say a prayer with her and, and it was just so overwhelming to not be there with her. But what I told her family at the memorial service is this, and in the midst of that struggle, I really just sensed the Lord speak to me and say, "She's not alone. There is no such thing for my sheep." There's no such thing for those who have their faith in Jesus, firmly rooted in Jesus. There's no such thing as being alone because he is with us. We can't go anywhere where he isn't, even though we're near this difficult valley, even though we're struggling, even though we're grieving, even though we we're not sure what the next chapter looks like, even though we're disappointed. We're not controlled by fear because we believe he's with us. As a matter of fact, Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. Man, He's near. When we're hurting, He's especially close and near to the brokenhearted. Even though you're in the valley, I want you to know today, He has not abandoned you, He has not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. He's not bailed on you. He's not stranded you. He is with you today, friend. Whatever you're walking through, He's present. And He is for you. And He's with you. And He's for you. And He's with you. And He's for you. And He's with you. And sometimes when we're walking through that valley, we're so aware of how dark the valley is, we forget how near us He is. But here's the thing about walking through the shadow of the valley. A shadow can only be cast if there's light on the other side. We believe the light is shining. We believe the light of the world is with us. He is present in the valley. You're not alone. The good shepherd is with you. The prophet Isaiah prophesied on behalf of this great shepherd. And he said, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you because He's with you. And for sure, there's difficult waters. And for sure, there's fires of oppression. But He's with you. And He's for you. Those of us who grew up in church, we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down and participate in pagan worship to this false altar. And King Nebuchadnezzar has the fiery furnace turned up even hotter and they're thrown in. And here's the thing. God actually didn't take them out of the furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar says, I see a fourth man in the fire. He's with them. And he tells the soldiers to turn the furnace back down and to take them back out. Technically, Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fire and he's the one that took them out of the fire. What Jesus knew was best for them is that He would be with them in the fire. And today, you might wish God would turn the furnace off, but maybe He knows what's best is we live in a world full of furnaces. We live in a world full of of dark valleys. He wants you to know that He's present. It's even how sometimes we pray for one another. We're like, man, I pray God will get you out of this. And maybe the, the better prayer would be, man, I pray you'll know how very present God is with you right now. I pray you'll know how for you. God is right now, that he's present. Now, I'm not saying that means we enjoy the valley, right? The the psalmist is way more honest than that. Throughout the Psalms, David's like, where are you, God? As a matter of fact, when Jesus was literally in the valley of the shadow of death on the cross, he didn't quote Psalm 23 about the valley of the shadow of death. He quoted Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so there's moments in life where the presence of God seems a million miles away or a galaxy away or a universe away. And what we're reminding our hearts, what we're preaching to our hearts today, is there's no such thing as a moment where God has removed himself from us. He is with us. And while we might want him to lead us away from the valley or around the valley, what he promises is he will go through the valley with us. And I want to talk about that idea of of going through the valley dependent on the presence of God. If when we are in the inevitable dark seasons of life, dark valleys of life, if we don't plug into and draw life from the presence of God, we're robbing ourselves of the comfort and power that's available to us as His children, as the followers of the Good Shepherd. I heard this great story from Pastor Tony Evans. He tells the story of an older lady who lived way out in the middle of nowhere and grew up with a very, very simple life. Her kids all grew up and went to the city and got good jobs, but she stayed in the country. She was all alone. And towards the end of her life, the story is told that her kids decided she needs to have electricity out there. She didn't even have a light bulb. She didn't have any electricity. And so they got with the power company. Sure enough, they ran an electric line to her house. They got the power working But fast forward, the power company was seeing that she was only using one unit of power. They figured something must be wrong. So they sent some folks from the power company out to see this lady out in the middle of nowhere. They said, hey, is everything working okay with the electricity that we installed? And she was overcome. She said, it's perfect. It's wonderful. Everything is working as good as it possibly could. It's changed my life. They said, well, then why are you using so little power? She said, what do you mean? Every single night. When it gets dark, I turn the lights on so that I can see to light my kerosene lantern and then I turn the lights back off. And what Pastor Tony Evans said about her is he said in an age of electricity, she was choosing to live a kerosene life. And listen, when we don't tap in to the authority, the resurrection power of the with us God, then what we're doing is we're walking through the valley, living a kerosene life when what's available to us is resurrection power kind of electricity. Friend, I encourage you to to just for a moment today, let your faith be fed that God is with you. Don't live the kerosene life when what's available is resurrection authority of the with us God. That's what's available to us. That's why we believe we're going to get through this, which is that great word back to the beginning of the verse. Even though I walk through. Even though I walk through the valley, and here's the deal. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this. Whatever you're facing today, I might not know your story, but I believe on the authority of God. You don't have to be frozen in fear. You're going to make it through this. That's what the good shepherd does for a sheep. He makes sure that they get through to the other side. You're going to make it. Don't stop. Don't be frozen in fear. Take the next step. And here's why I encourage you to take the next step. Because God's got you. He's got this. He's bigger than the valley. Which is what David's pointing to. He's not just generically saying that you are with me. He says at the end of the verse, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now notice he says two things, that the shepherd has something in each hand, right? And I've never taken the time to study this prior to the last couple months, but there's two very different pictures painted about the rod and the staff. So the staff is the thing we picture when we see the Christmas play, right? The long stick with the hook on it. That's for when sheep get off track, when they get caught in something, when they're not on the right path. It's the thing the shepherd uses to just gently correct us or keep us going the right direction. Remember, We said last week, being called a sheep isn't really a compliment. We need a little direction. We need a little guidance. Well, that's what the staff is for. But the rod is something very different. This is more like a billy club. As a matter of fact, one historian I read said it was usually hewn out of the trunk of the tree. Like it's strong enough that a shepherd could charge a lion or a bear that was trying to take a sheep. Much like David did when he was a little boy. This is a bloody, violent instrument. This isn't the soft, gentle, little harp-playing shepherd. This is like, no, bring it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. It's the idea that the shepherd says, you don't understand, I will break everything that's trying to break my sheep. I will break everything that's trying to break my sheep. I will do whatever whatever it takes to protect them. The comfort isn't found just in warm fuzzy. It's found in security knowing... We've got a shepherd who will kick the tail of whatever's after us. Whatever's coming to get us just hasn't seen anything like the authority of our good shepherd. And so this isn't just this warm little thing, and it's not just the, the staff that keeps us on the, the right path. What, what the rod and staff mean is our good shepherd both directs us and defends us, he prompts us and protects us. He is both beautiful and brutal. He is both peaceful and powerful. He is soothing and he's strong. He is gentle and he's violent. When that's what it takes to protect us, when that's what it takes to get us through, he'll do whatever it takes. See, the the beauty of, of his relationship to his sheep is that he is tender to his sheep and he is terrifying to our enemies. Whatever valley you're facing might feel really overwhelming to you, but I want you to know we have a strong defender who's not rattled, who's not shaken. So this reminds me of a story, and I intended to tell this story even before losing my dad a few days ago. When I was in middle school, our house was broken into. We were living in Atlanta at the time, and somebody broke into our house and stole a bunch of stuff, and so... My parents, their defenses were on high alert, you know. And so my dad bought a shotgun, typical home defense shotgun. And not long after he had bought this gun, in the middle of the night, I heard his door open. I was in ninth grade at the time. Middle of the night, I heard his door open, and I heard that infamous sound. And I opened my door, and there stands my dad in his whitey tidies with his brand new gun that he's never fired. I'm not sure he had bought any shells yet. That's how new this gun was. And he says this, I've got a gun, and I'm not afraid to use it. Now, he's never used it before, and I don't know that he has any shells to use it now. Maybe the way he would use it would be just as a billy club to beat up the intruder. And uh, so, yeah, come to find out there was a squirrel in the attic. So... The evil intruder who had come to kill me in the middle of the night was actually a little squirrel. (laughs) But I will never forget the bold declaration,
1: I have a gun
0: and I'm not afraid to use it. And here's what I want you to know today, friend. Whatever you're facing that intimidates you, your shepherd has a rod and he's not afraid to use it to do whatever it takes to defend you, whatever it takes to set you free, whatever it takes to protect you. He's not afraid to do whatever is necessary. That's how good He is. And that's how much He cares for His sheep. And when that's true, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be controlled by fear. Because He's got this. And He's good. Let me close with this story. Um, so after my dad passed away my mom and I were in the room with him because of all this COVID stuff they didn't let my brother Greg in the room it was just my mom and I and we had finished with that whole process if if you've been with a loved one as they've passed you know what I mean Uh, it takes a while but we had finally finished everything and we were about to leave so my mom and I walked over to my dad's bedside where I believe he was already present with the Lord, but I put my arm around my mom and began to pray with her over my dad before we left the room. It was kind of a holy moment for a minute. This really loud nurse barges in the door in the middle of this moment, sees us with our heads bowed, and my mom was crying, and she goes, hey, <laughs> really loud, obnoxious, and then actually comes up and like puts her hands on us because she had to tell my mom something before we left. And, uh, you know, I figure I can't say, shut up when in the middle of a prayer because God's listening, right? So I'm like, what are you doing, lady? It was Nurse Sherry. Nurse Sherry's kind of crazy. She's the nurse in charge of the cardiac ICU in the hospital. And the reason she barged in and interrupted that holy moment of prayer, it was really important to her that she said something to my mom before we left the hospital for good. She told my mom, she said, I just wanted to tell you, I know you're going to be okay. She said, because I could tell the moment you walked in this room that you're a woman of faith. She said, I could feel it in you. I could see it in you that you were going to be okay because clearly your faith is grounded. Here's the reality. I'm not so sure nurse Sherry saw my mom walk. I think she saw the good shepherd that was walking with her through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's the goodness of the good shepherd, y'all. And he's so good that the people around us can sense his presence. Him, him being with us is so transformative that it's tangible. People can feel it in the air. And so I would ask you today, do you know for sure that he's your shepherd? Do you know for sure that that you're following after Him? Have you experienced His care? If you don't know for sure, please click on the link that says, Can We Talk? We would love to have a conversation with you about how you can know for sure you have this kind of hope, the kind of hope that lets you face fear right in the eyes and not be controlled by it. We'd love to talk to you. If you indeed would say, Man, I I know I've got that settled and, and I know that I'm secure in following Jesus, then my question to you would be, are you living a kerosene life when what's available is the electricity of the resurrection power of a present God? Are you tapping into that presence? Are you aware of that presence? Are you disciplining your heart to know he is with me and he is for me? My challenge is whatever valley you might be walking through today, he loves you. He's with you. Cling me moment let's say a prayer together and then we'll continue to worship him father thank you for being closer than a whisper closer than the air we breathe that your presence is not defined by our situation that we aren't defined by our situation that where we are isn't who we are we rejoice that who we are is defined by the good shepherd who cares for us, who fights for us, who defends us, and who is with us. God, we praise you. We bless your name for being a good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Can't wait to see us soon. Let's worship together.